You ready to get in the word today? Hallelujah. You know, we've been talking about the precious and the powerful blood of Jesus. And you know, we went to 1 Peter and we're like, we found out that we were literally redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb slain, right? We found out that we were born again by the incorruptible word of God. We found out from Colossians, and that was 1 Peter chapter 1, we found out from Colossians that literally that Jesus, because of what he did, his redemptive work took us out of the delegated influence of darkness and transferred us in to the kingdom of God's dear son. And because of the redemptive work of Jesus, Colossians tells us now we are unaccusable and we are unblameable. It goes on to tell us that our sins have not just been forgiven, they've been remitted. Remember the Greek word ephesus. It means that our sins have been forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. The penalty of our sin has literally been canceled. And here's the big one that helps us is literally the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation of sin has been removed. We heard from Hebrews that we were eternally redeemed as Jesus went in once and for all into the Holy of Holies in heaven. And he poured his own blood on the mercy seat, forever sealing our salvation. But also the Bible says that because of this, this blood that was shed from, for us, now our, our conscience has been cleansed or purged so that now we can serve him and do all that he's called us to do so that the world may know who he is. I mean, I think these are amazing scriptures we went on and we started talking about a segment that I want to continue on today and, uh, and, and where we're going with this, but we really got to solidify this, is wherever the blood of God is honored. Remember, we said we exercise our right because of the blood. I have faith in the blood. If my body is attacked, if my finances are attacked, if my family's attacked, I'm like, no. I exercise my right. The blood of God has been shed for me. I have been redeemed. I am now in Christ, right? I've been given all authority, and Satan, you have no authority. So now, because of all of that, now, wherever I honor the blood, wherever, and how do I honor it? I, I plead the blood. I exercise my right over it. I thank God for it. He was made to be sin so that I would be made the very righteousness of Almighty God. Wherever the blood is honored is where the Holy Spirit moves. And, and boy, that's a big thing in the New Testament. You'll see it all over the place. But we, we really wanted to take just a segment and start talking about trusting God. We want, you know, for me as a pastor, it is my heart's desire, which I believe is from the Lord, that we cultivate that, that the Holy Spirit's going to help us through the Word of God cultivate trust in the Lord. Because trust has to be earned, right? And God will take you by the hand and He'll help you. He'll cultivate 
everything in your life so that you can begin to know him so intimately that you'll trust him. So we went through a couple scriptures. I think I'm going to read a few of them again. Go to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. You guys doing good? Man, I'll tell you one thing that this meeting was such a, these meetings were such a blessing to me. And I told some of the hungry people that were there from our church, I'm like, you know, don't ever think I'm long-winded. You'll never be able to think that again, okay? Wow, right? I think the shortest service was about three hours and close to 30 minutes. So, uh, and we almost hit four hours. I didn't go last night because I, you know, I, I ended up, I, I've been so stirred. I, I, I was up till two o'clock this morning and then just couldn't wait to get up to come here. Um, but had I gone to those meetings, holy smokes, I, I probably would not have even slept. So I might have just fallen out. You guys would have probably thought, wow, what a move of God. No, it would just been exhaustion, right? But anyway, really good meetings. So Psalm 37, we said this in verse 3, or actually the Lord spoke this. So now remember, this is absolute truth. This is forever settled in heaven. This is not subject to debate, right? Remember we said this, to trust the Lord is, is what that means is I have made a decision to totally depend on him and not on anyone else or anything else. All of my trust is in him. So it says here, verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good, so shall you dwell in the land, and verily you shall be fed. Remember, the blessing of God is in the land, right? So to dwell in the land that God has for you, you're going to have to trust him. The opposite of this is if you don't trust in the Lord, and we saw that in Jeremiah, remember if you're trusting in yourself, if you're trusting in other natural things, you won't be in the land. You'll be like in a desert place. You won't even see when good comes. Then it goes on to say, it says, delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, the desires of your heart, this, you've heard me say this before, that, that your future as a child of God is not in front of you, it's within you, right? So what happens is God puts his will into your heart through his word. But what comes out of your heart as you delight in him are expressions of his will for your life, and those are desires, right? So it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart, which are expressions of his will for your life. Then it says this, Commit your way unto the Lord. And again it says, trust also in him, and then what? He will bring it to pass. Isn't it amazing that not only will he give you the desires, he will bring them to pass. Isaiah tells us he's the God that will teach us how to profit and then lead us in the way that we should go. Oh, God wants you blessed. On a God level. He wants all of your friends to see how good he is so that they run to him. Amen. Amen. This is so, so very important. We, another scripture we went into, we won't go through too many, but go to Psalm 125. Psalm 125. 
These are just a couple that are just kind of jumping in me. Psalm 125, verse 1. I love this. They that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. Oh, I could tell you, Iran is like, man, the minute I get a nuclear warhead, I am going to annihilate this world. From, uh, I, I'm, I'm doing away with Israel, the Jewish people. They will be off the planet. Do you know, when you go to Israel, it's the size of New Jersey, and every nation around them hates them. But I've got to tell you, Mount Zion can't be moved. It will never be moved. Isn't that amazing? I mean, there will be a conflict after we're out of here called the Ezekiel 38 and 39 conflict. And, and all these nations will come against Israel. And in one day, they're all defeated. God steps in and just defeats them. And when God defeats nations, like we saw in the Old Testament, this will be bigger than any Old Testament story you've ever seen. You know, it's, it's really amazing. It goes on to say, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. Now I've got to tell you, you are his people. You're actually his children. Isn't that amazing? I love that. So we can't go here without going to Proverbs chapter 3. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. So the word tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. That we're not ever to lean on our own understanding. That in the Hebrew language it would be don't rely on your own mind's conclusions, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And then he will literally direct your paths. That's amazing. Right? So we got to go to Isaiah. Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. Hallelujah. In verse 3 it says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Wow. Because he trusts in thee. Do you know you could write in your Bible that right here is the key to a stress-free life. This is the key. It says in verse 4, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Right? The Bible literally defines walking in perfect peace as keeping your mind on Him. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Satan will use the world system, people, circumstances, all of these things. It's all designed to try to get your mind off of God and on the things. But I'm telling you, you're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And you have some things in your spirit that you've been made, the very... I mean, you have the fruit of the Spirit. You have patience. You have this ability to keep your eyes on the Lord. And the more you're pressed, the stronger it is that you keep your eyes on the Lord. It's literally, it's, it's endurance that is built under trial so that you can receive everything from Him. 
Isn't that amazing? Because he not only gives you the desire, but he will also bring it to pass. Right? If you've ever been sick or had any kind of sickness or disease or pain, man, it's amazing how that desire, as you get your eyes on the Lord, that desire to be free from that grows. It's really interesting as you get your eyes off the Lord, if you have pain or sickness or disease, it's amazing how you start to do things in your mind to justify some things and figure out how to manage it. But when you keep your eyes on him, there's a righteous anger that raises up inside of you and says, no, Jesus bore this. I don't have to. I am not putting up with this. And there's something on the inside of you that rises up. Why? Because you're continually strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might. You say, no, no, Lord, you can't have my children. You can't have my grandkids. You can't have my financial life. You're, not, you're never going to stop the church. You're never going to stop me from fulfilling the plan of God that he has for my life. Right? You get real bold when you start walking in these things. So run over to uh, Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verse 1. Hallelujah. I can't wait to get to my notes, but I've got to to get this out. So just, uh, this is your ministry in my life, okay? (laughs) Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. It says, But now saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. Wow. Say this with me, I will never fear, I will never fear. Because, I am redeemed. because I am redeemed. That's a truth. It's not natural for you to fear. I have called thee by thy name and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, ouch, when? That's okay. It's okay to pass through waters when he's with you. Right? Do you know how you pass through the waters when God's with you? with joy and in peace and everybody around you is looking at you like is there something wrong with you because you this is this looks bad yeah. and you're like oh no it's not bad Come on, they just don't know who's with you Hello. right because see when you know he's with you you know you're passing through the waters you already know the end from the beginning he says i'll be with you and through the rivers they shall not overflow you And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. And I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sheba for thee. Wow. God is saying that no matter what you face in life, you're going to face it with him. And he will see you through. The New Testament scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, right? Thanks be to God, which always gives me the victory in Christ. Right? Isn't that amazing? 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now thanks be to God, 
which always causes me to triumph in Christ. Always. When I walk through fire, it doesn't kindle upon me. Hallelujah. Well, we're so close, we got to go one more maybe. Isaiah 54. I love this. I quote this all the time. Isaiah 54, verse 17. It says, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. See, the foundation of yours and my trust in the Lord. This is the foundation. It's his word. God has spoken his word, which can never pass away and never be moved. And that's the foundation. Don't worry if you can't trust people. Right? I mean, how can you if all your trust is in the Lord? All of my trust is in the Lord. So now, my dealings with people, no, all my trust is in the Lord, so now I can just love people unconditionally. I don't have to be concerned about what their ulterior motives are and everything else. Even if their ulterior motives are bad, it's okay. They can't stop me. Right? I don't have any competitors. As a matter of fact, I could prefer my competition before me because... I understand that, that that's how I increase, right? No weapon that it's formed against me shall prosper. Well, now, here's the thing about this scripture. Weapons will be formed against you. And some of them look, some of them look big and bad, but they'll never prosper. Satan can hold that gun to your head, right? And you can just smile right in other words cancer is a weapon but it cannot prosper against you diabetes is a weapon but it cannot prosper against you right degenerative joints arthritis aids name it doesn't matter what it is it's all the name of jesus it must bow to the name of jesus that weapon cannot prosper against you Every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Man, aren't you glad? You know, if you look at your life, really, you don't really have too many people really condemning you, right? But man, you have one person in your life that if you let him or her, will will look at you in the mirror every time you're looking in the mirror and try to condemn you. Aren't you glad that you can rise up and say, no, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that to myself anymore. No, I'm not worthless. No, I'm not stupid. No, I'm not a failure, right? It says here, you can condemn those tongues, never the person, but you condemn the tongue. So those words will die and not produce. Because, you know, they've proven now, they've proven that words released never go away. Do you know they're trying right now to figure out how they can dial in to these sounds that are still in the earth? Can you imagine if they could locate and dial in Jesus on, on the mount so that you, we could actually hear those words is that that sounds crazy but see words words are powerful however 
You and I, as servants of the Lord, as his children who have been made righteous, we can curse a word and it not produce. See, this is a word planet. And, and, and Satan will get you to say stupid things. And, you, and sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't really mean that. Guess what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you didn't mean it. Right? It gives the enemy a legal right to operate. But as fast as you open that door, you're, you, could, you could literally get so sensitive in your spirit where you say something and you're like, wait a minute, I don't believe that and I curse that word right now in Jesus' name. It will not produce any death in my life or in the lives of other people. Amen? You know, normally when you have something going on in your life, you speak about it. And, and what, what Christians don't realize is they are by their words throwing gasoline on a fire that's going in the wrong way. Now, if you want to really do a spiritual exercise, this week, literally make a decision. I refuse to say anything negative about my government. I mean, did you even feel that? (laughs) But God told us to pray for our leaders so that we could live a quiet and peaceable life. Right? It's so, so very important. That person in your life that is just kind of under your skin because they've done some stuff or whatever, right? You tend to want to talk bad about them and you're throwing fuel on the fire. Instead, speak life over them. Right? Our government needs some help. Right? Man, the government of this church needs help too. Don't you know that? Because here's the problem with all of us. We're human. Right? Anyway, enough about that. I better jump over to Jeremiah. I got to do one more. So Jeremiah, we really broke this down last week. But just go, we're going to skip verses, right, 5 and 6. Because we don't trust in man. We don't trust in ourselves. Let's just go right to the blessing. It says, blessed, Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed be the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. This man shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat comes, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Wow. So let me jump back there on those words again because there was a few things going off there. Do you realize love never fails? When you operate in love, the love of God, it causes me to not consider myself. Do you know if I don't consider myself, it is impossible for me to ever be in an argument with anybody. Because all I'm ever thinking, if somebody's kind of being a jerk to me, is how can I bless them? I wonder what's going on in their life. And in that position, I'm actually seeing things as they really are because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. 
Has anybody really hurt you in life? Listen, I got to tell you, they might be who you see, but that's not who really hurts you. The enemy is the enemy. And man, he will work on people and work on people and put them in a position where they do crazy things. Right? So that's why I'm telling you, walking like this, you're just free. When you learn to cultivate a whole... I mean, and the reason why I use the word cultivate is because that's the word the Lord used with me. My whole life, my life focus is to know him and what that means is I'm constantly cultivating trust in him. Every time I read his word, I'm like, wow, you are so good. I mean, during worship today, how many statements did we declare that we could base our trust? You can trust him, right? This is why trust is so important. And man, this is something that I'm learning more and more every day in my life. Trust in the Lord is expressed in rest. Trust in the Lord is expressed in rest. So rest is where you're imitating God. Rest, when he got done... In the six days in creation, the Bible says he rested. And what that is defined at, he ceased from his own works. So what it means to us is rest means I stop trying to figure it out. I stop trying to put pressure on myself to make it happen. I literally let it go. And I just cease from my own works. And now, the works that I do, I work out my own salvation. In other words, I'm working out what he's working in only. So so we're going to talk about that today. Do you know the highest expression of faith is rest? Right? Many people have trouble sleeping because they have not learned how to rest inside. And so they, they're not resting outside. You know, on Wednesday night, we're talking about how to develop a strong spirit. And we've been talking about, you know, number one, you've got to nourish yourself in the Word of God. It's just like developing yourself physically. Then you have to exercise. You have to continue in the Word and be a doer of the Word. But we're going to eventually get over here to where you have to learn how to rest. God doesn't want you worried about anything. He doesn't want you stressed about anything. Don't worry about what's going on in the world. While we're here, it's all going to be okay. We'll never be defeated. Amen? Now, after the rapture of the church, you know, whatever happens to America happens to it. But while we're here, we're not going to let anything happen to it. Oh, pastor, you have no authority in that. Oh, no, no, no. We have all the authority. We have all the authority. And those that are leading our country, they need our help. Yes, they do. Come on, preach it. So can you do that with me? Spend the whole, the whole, I'll tell you what, just start with this. Just spend the whole rest of October. Not say, I mean, we'll just start small, okay? 
just spend the whole rest of October just not saying anything negative about any government official, right? Amen. Amen. So you cannot understand how to trust God without understanding how to enter into his rest. And, and we have to be taught this because it just doesn't happen automatically. So as you enter God's rest, you are act, you're actually demonstrating your trust in him. When you're fully persuaded, you just rest. When you sit there and go, wait a minute, no, I exercise my right. You can't, have, you can't destroy my body with sickness and disease because I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm born again. Blood has been shed for me. Jesus bore my sickness, carried my pain. It's over. Now, MRIs might get worse. Blood work might get worse. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we know the end result. It will change because if I get in faith and stay in faith, I will always get the result that God says, right? Trusting God demands that we enter into his rest. The Bible tells us in Philippians, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then it says the peace of God will mount guard over your heart and over your mind. Say this with me. In my life, it's all going to be okay. Amen? So relax and rest. So Genesis chapter 2, in verse 1, Genesis 2, 1, it says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. I love that Hebrew word finished. It's, it would read like this, Thus the heavens and the earth were brought to perfection, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made, and God blessed the seventh day. That's where the blessing was released. Wow, he released the blessing. And sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his works which God created and made. Wow. Now this is what you've got to understand. God did not rest because he was tired. Okay? The rest we're talking about, God rested because he was finished. Okay? Let that sink deep in your spirit. He doesn't rest because he's tired. When God was finished, he entered into rest. If we will trust God, we too will say, it is finished, and then we'll rest. This is a big truth with this, guys. You need to realize it's finished. Healing's been provided for you. Your financial life has been provided for you. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has already been provided for you. And when you learn to trust God, you will start to see in every situation of your life that, wow, it's finished. So now I could rest. 
I don't have to sit there and go, man, I got to stay focused on, you know, I got to do this and I got to do that and I got to read more word and I got to do this. And it's like your whole, your whole trust is in your ability to confess the word of God when all of our trust needs to be in Jesus. So if you get, how you trust God is you just get to know him and he'll help you cultivate trust and the more your trust grows in him, the more you realize, oh my goodness, you get revelation knowledge that it's finished. And you'll stop looking at your body to tell if you're healed. You'll stop to look at your finances to tell if you're prosperous. You'll stop looking at outward things. You'll look only at inside. And you'll realize, wow, it's finished. So I can just rest. Boy, that was worth you doing your hair this morning. Coming out to church. Amen? So rest, it means that we're not trying to work something out in our own self-effort. So the difference between work and labor. See, when I talk about work, I'm talking about working in your own effort. I'm not talking about working out what God's working in. Right? Work will require worry which always keeps you from entering into rest. I just got to work harder. I've got to do more. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to put God first. I've got to do more. And I go, see, you'll start worrying. And it'll keep you from entering into rest. You can't enter into this rest if you're worried. Labor, however, will literally bring you into rest and we'll talk more about that the most powerful things in our lives will happen when we cease from working but we decide to labor to enter his rest and how we do that is literally once again by getting to know him by keeping our eyes on him putting his word first do you see why the enemy so wants you out of the word of god he doesn't want you planted in a church where you're hearing the word of god he doesn't want you around believers of like faith he wants to try to get you alone so that he can start throwing thoughts so that you can start seeing things maybe as they seem but not as they really are and then worry comes and fear Anytime you don't believe God, it'll bring fear into your life. Fear and unbelieving, they're like twins. So we got to talk about these things. So Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God, who at sundry times, that means various times, and in diverse or many manners, many ways, spoken times passed unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he's appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who, talking about Jesus, being made the brightness of his, this is talking about the Father, his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's what Jesus did. We're talking about his redemptive work. Hebrews is going deeper. The entire book of Hebrews deals with these last days 
which are the days that followed his resurrection. So in Matthew 28, 18, it gives us another picture of this. And Jesus came and spake to them. Now this is after he came out of the grave and he said this, all power, and it's the Greek word excusia, which means all authority, all of it, is given to me in heaven and in earth. In other words, now it's a new day. I have been given all authority because of my redemptive work in heaven and on earth. And now he gave us his name. He gave us that authority. He gave us power of attorney of his name. He delegated the authority of heaven, which is his, to his church. It's amazing. Now Jesus has the keys of death and hell. In other words, Jesus has now regained everything that Adam lost, that he gave up. And now we have authority in the name of Jesus, and we have power that flows from the Holy Spirit of God. It's amazing. So in Philippians, it gives us another picture of what I'm talking about. We're talking about the work of Jesus because it's a complete work. Philippians 2.9 says this. Philippians 2.9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things. Now, if you look at the Greek language, it would read like this. Of things or beings in heaven and things or beings in earth and things or beings under the earth. Bet you didn't know arthritis had knees. Cancer has knees. Migraine headaches have knees. Did you know poverty and lack has knees? And you know what they use those knees for? Bowing to the name of Jesus as we use our authority. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to bring it to pass. You have to just believe it and speak it, and God will do it. Amen. Amen. It brings him on the scene. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. His name is above anything that we'll ever face. Isn't it fun that you could make Satan, literally, you could make Satan confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All those demonic influences, doesn't it say? Everything or being, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Isn't that amazing? When you stand in your authority, you could say, bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. You have no power to take my life. You have no power to steal from me. You have no power to kill. You have no power to destroy. I've been given the authority in the name of Jesus. His name is above anything that I will ever face. Why are we saying that? Guys, this is, class, this is rest class today. His name is above all. You don't have to work this out. And nothing that you're facing is bigger than the name of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Wow. You have a divine advantage in life in every way. Boy, that'll preach. 
Verse 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, now do this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In the Greek language, it would be work out your own salvation with a reverence and an honor and a respect for God above everything else in your life. So guys, this is what we do. We don't work out anyone else's salvation. If you walk in a reverence and an honor above everything else in your life, if you reverence and honor God above everything else in your life, you will not be running around telling everybody what they need to do. You will be laser-focused on Him. And, and, and you just doing what He wants you to do and going where He wants you to go and making those adjustments in your own life. You'll get, see what this does when you work out your own salvation with a reverence, honor, and a respect for God, it literally, it leads you to rest. It leads you right into it because you're now focused on Jesus, you're not focused on yourself. Because when you have inner turmoil, it causes interpersonal conflict. When you're not doing so good and you hear somebody else is doing worse, your flesh, it makes your flesh feel better. How sick is that? That's not why we're here, right? It says here, we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God which works in you. That means, this word, this word worketh right here in the Greek, it literally means he energizes you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That word pleasure means his good purpose. So God will energize you to want to do his will, and then he will energize you to do his will. Do you see how he's helping you all the time? Yeah, but I just have no desire for God. Well, of course you don't. You're just, you're not reverencing, honoring, and respecting the Lord. So now you're just living for yourself. How's that working out for you? Not good. Now we could put on a good face, but we're not happy. It doesn't produce things. Do you realize that in your life, everything revolves just about what you do with him? And as you just turn to him, and you honor him, right? And you reverence and honor and respect him. You will start reverencing, honor, and respecting your wife, your husband, your children, your co-workers, right? You'll start reverencing, honor, and respecting your government. Ouch. Pastor, get off that toe, right? The Amplified Classic says it this way. Not in your own strength, for it is God who's all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So how do you get that to happen in your life? I, when I found this out, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Because I grew up in a denomination where they would just beat you. You better walk holy or you're going to burn in hell. I'm in. I mean, my rededicator was wore out by the time I was 12 years old. Every summer I'd go to kids camp or youth camp, well, mostly kids camp, 
And every summer they'd watch this movie. I think it was A Thief in the Night. But there was one segment in there where everybody, you know, the heat on the earth is really bad. And, there's, and you just see these people sitting there, just sweat and all this stuff. Every year I'd rededicate my life to the Lord. Every year. Every year. Right? I'm so grateful I learned just how to grow up. It's like the Lord's going, man, Tony, that's awesome, but why don't you give yourself a break? Trying to work out your own salvation in your own strength. You, have you ever tried that? Yeah. What a joke, right? <laughs> Jesus gains all authority after his resurrection. He gets everything back that Adam lost. His work is now done once and for all. So now we just have to learn to enter into his rest. Did you notice that? We enter into his rest. We're not entering into our rest. We're entering into his rest. Where now I am resting on what he did. See, if you rest in your own self, well, you know, you guys have done, I mean, I'm looking around, there's a lot of wonderful people in here that have done some wonderful things. But that rest has too many holes in it. But Jesus, his rest, has zero holes. He took care of everything. The enemy, there's nothing the enemy could come up with that he hasn't already accomplished. He didn't almost defeat Satan. He brought him to naught. That means he reduced him to nothing. Right? So when he comes at you, you're nothing. That's who you are. Right? If you are really in faith, if you're really trusting God, the evidence will be that you'll be at rest. Right? Hebrews chapter 3. Let's talk about this just a little bit more. Hallelujah. It says, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. You guys doing good? Doesn't it feel good in here this morning? When you come to church, man, every time we come to the Word of God, we should literally be built up and, and edified, encouraged. That's right. Because of who He is. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Harden not your hearts. This Hebrew word, it means to, be, to make hard or stiff or to render stubborn. Don't allow your heart to be hardened. Have you ever been around somebody whose heart is hardened? And you're, you're talking to them and they're, they're just so negative and they're, they, they know better, They've, they know what the word says, but they are just literally going, no, I want to hurt, this, I was done wrong, and, and they'll get mad at you if you push that envelope too much. It's a hardened heart. Don't harden your heart. You harden, this is, okay, so I'm telling you not to harden your heart, now I'm going to tell you not, how to not do that, Okay? This is how 
I'll actually say it this way. This is how you harden your heart. You harden your heart when you hear his voice, but you don't do what he said. That will harden your heart. And if you keep going, it'll get harder and harder and you'll become more stubborn. I wish that pastor would stop talking about money so much and take offerings every service. Your, your heart's hardened. You're getting stubborn. It's cutting you off from life, right? It says, don't harden your heart as in the, as in the provocation. This was a day of provoking, a day of irritation. This happened to the children of Israel. When they hardened their heart and said, we can't go into the promised land. We can't. In other words, they said, we can't have what you said you gave us, God. And that's the day of provocation. Not because they were provoked and irritated. No, no, that was the day that they provoked and irritated God. It irritates him. When you say you can't have what he's already given you. Right? It says in the day of temptation. This word means to be put to the test, to be proven in the wilderness. So this was a pivotal point in Jewish history. So in other words, the word of God is telling us, don't harden your heart in the day when tests, trials, and affliction come into your life. Don't get stubborn. You stick to the word of God because it'll work for you. So let me say this again. You harden your heart when you hear his voice, but you don't do what he says. Verse, verse 9. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said... They do always err in their heart. In the Hebrew language, what God is saying, they are always unpersuadable in their heart. They're not able to be persuaded. See, to delight yourself in the Lord, remember Psalm 37? That word delight literally means to be pliable. You're like soft clay on the potters, he could just mold you the way he wants. You're not hardened, right? It means to be pliable. To be, to, how do you, what does that look like in your life? You know you're pliable if you literally are making God the source of your joy, pleasure, and satisfaction. And he could get everything over to you. I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart. They're always unpersuadable, and they have not known my ways. Why is a person unpersuadable? Because they don't know God's ways. People sit in church, and they sit under the word week after week and year after year, and they never do it because they're unpersuadable. Why? Well, I, I, I'm going to live my life and do my thing. That doesn't get you anywhere. And it says here, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. So not knowing God's ways causes you to be unpersuadable, which keeps you from entering into the rest of God. 
Verse 12, Hebrews 3.12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. This word unbelief means rebellious disobedience. It means faithlessness. What, what does that look like? It means that you're saying you can't have what God said he gave you. That's, what, that's literally what it means. And notice the Bible says take heed. Take heed, brethren. Be careful. Watch yourself so that you don't get over in this. Do you know, have, you could get unpersuadable. Satan is so subtle. He'll work on you here. And, and oh man, I, I can't... I can't serve God or, or do what God wants me to do here. I can't spend time with them because, you know, this, I'm just off balance and I just, just, I just need a few days to get this under control. Next thing you know, you're looking at your life and you're going, I'm never in the Word. Do you know coming to church, this has been rich this morning, hasn't it? Do you know this doesn't count in your personal devotion time with God? It, now, it'll equip you. It'll equip you if you have your personal time with the Lord. Right? But if you, if you don't, you'll just be a forgetful hearer. And, and everybody said, oh me, or amen, whatever, right? Because we've all been there. So this is why we have to take heed. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me stay focused, Right? If fear, which is expressed in doubt or questioning, is present, then unbelief will always manifest. The only thing that will drive out unbelief is meditating in the Word of God. The Word of God will it'll drive it out. I meditate in, now listen to this. This is the way the Lord told this to me. I meditate in God's word until the word of God on the inside of me eclipses the fear of the circumstance that's going on on the outside of me. Now here's the thing, if you have some debilitating disease in your body, do you realize that's still the outside? Because you're a spirit. And your spirit has no sickness or disease in it. Right? I meditate in God's word until God's word on the inside of me eclipses the fear of the circumstance on the outside. What happens then is the peace of God begins to rule in my heart causing me to enter and to be at rest. That's how it works. Okay, that's exactly how it works. When you enter God's rest, now he's able to work on your behalf. Because if you're not entered into his rest, guess what you're doing? You're working on it. Man, I, could do, I should do a, a weight loss video. Do you know how many people are working so hard to lose weight? Come on, Tap into this. Trying to get over addictions. Tap into this. 
God cannot work if you're working. But when you rest, he works. Oh God, I'm just going to rest and you're going to fix my marriage. I'm going to rest and you're going to take care of my kids. Right? I'm just going to rest. I'm going to rest in you. What does that mean? I'm going to meditate in your word on finances until your word, what you said you've given me financially, will literally rise up in my spirit and eclipse the fear of these circumstances of lack that are on the outside of me. And then what happens, the peace of God is going to begin to rule in my heart and I will be entering into your rest, which enables you to work and fix all of it. Boy, Pastor, that's, that really is helping me there, right? Hallelujah. Man, I want to go further. Hmm. Let me see. Let me just read these scriptures to you. Verse 13. But exhort. Right after he says all this, he says, but exhort. This word means to encourage. Stick with me just a couple minutes here. Encourage one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Encourage one another daily while it is called today. So when something comes up in your heart to text somebody or do something, don't wait till tomorrow, do it today. In other words, do you see how we get all this together? We get all of it together. I love that. The person stuck in sin is deceived. That's all that's happening. That, that word deceived, it means they're delusional. It means that they have a faulty judgment. They are bound by something that has no power over them. They are looking at themselves like something they're not. That's all it is. Verse 14, For we are made partakers, that, mere, that word means participants, of Christ, if we hold... That means if we retain the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. In other words, things always work out if you hold your confidence steady. But guess what attacks your confidence? Fear, doubt, and unbelief. They will attack your confidence. Right? See, if you don't have any confidence in God... You won't be able to trust him to do what he said he's done for you. Verse 19, jump all the way down there. So we see that they, these people, could not enter into the rest of God because of unbelief. An example of this would be, how come you cannot believe that healing has been provided for you and why are you so afraid that God won't heal you? See, you can't enter into his rest until you deal with this. How come you can't believe that if you bring the first dime of every dollar to him and then become a generous giver on top of that, right? How come you can't believe that and, and believe that God will bless you? 
See, you're going to have to deal with that, otherwise you will never sow seed. You cannot enter into his rest until you deal with this. You cannot deal with this if you're not meditating in his word. So if there's an area of your life that you don't like, if you're sitting here today and you don't sow, you're not, you're not as, as uh, George Pearson says, he, he's like, how many here are tithers? And a bunch of people raise their hands. And then he said this, how many here are generous givers? Because that's two different things. Right? In Malachi, we've preached this for years as preachers, that people rob God when they don't tithe. But that's not what the Bible says. It says they rob him in tithes and offerings. Right? But see, if you're afraid to sow, because we all know the question, because we've all been there. I can't tithe. I can't sow because I won't have enough to pay my bills. Right? I've only met one person that told me, Pastor, I can't tithe. I make too much money. You know? And I did the thing, you know, well, do you want me to pray that you make less money so that you can maybe... But, but see, instead of, see, what people will do is they'll justify things, right? Well, you know, I am really tithing because I'm sending my kids to private Christian school, so that's my tithe. They do crazy things like that. And they wonder, now, now here's the thing, and, and many times, here, here's the thing, because God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you at all. To be, to be honest with you, tithing that's a heart thing. That's not a law thing. Amen. Amen. You, give, you could sow nothing your whole life. You, you'll miss a lot. But here's the thing. How do you fix that? Don't beat yourself up. Don't let some preacher just try to squeeze money out of you. No, no, no. Just meditate in the word on finances until all of a sudden the word will eclipse any doubts that you have that you're going to make it, and all of a sudden now, the peace of God will enter in, fear is gone, and now you'll go, wow, this is, why didn't I start this before? It's in every area of your life. Forgiveness is a huge one. Pastor, I can't forgive this person. They did this to me, and I'll never forgive them. Just start meditating on scriptures of what God says about his love for you and the way he's forgiven you, pretty soon that will eclipse the fear of forgiving that person. And the peace of God will enter in and start to umpire and rule in your heart. You'll enter the rest of God, and then God will be able to take you by the hand and lead you into forgiveness. It's always wonderful. It's always wonderful. The whole chapter of Hebrews talks about God's promise of rest. You cannot talk about unbelief without talking about fear because they go hand in hand. You can't talk about fear without talking about unbelief because they go hand in hand. Right? And what's the number one fear? Well, we have a fear of death that Jesus took care of, but the greatest fear in a believer is that the word of God just won't work for them this time. And that's a lie. So let me finish this up. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. It says, let us therefore fear. This Greek word means, let us therefore be cautious, be aware, and be diligent, lest a promise being less left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. 
For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Why? Because they did not mix, they did not mix the word that they heard with faith. And your mouth is the mixer. This, reason, this is the reason some get it and some don't. You cannot question God's word and enter into his rest. Have you ever met somebody that always has a question? Well, what about this? And I just, I, you know what? I came to church, yeah, your church is great, but your pastor said this little thing. I think he quoted the Hebrew word wrong. And, and you know, what about the Nephilim? It's like you're talking to a person that's completely stressed out. Every time. Never met a person that's questioning God's word in any way that's at rest. Right? Do you have confidence that God will get the job done for you? Right? To realize the blessing of God, you've got to mix the word of God with your faith. Right? My part, and I'll finish with this, my part is to pray and release my faith for my family, for my church, for the ministry, for whatever, however the Lord stirs me. And then never worry about it because I realize it's already done. God's faithful. I hope this blesses you today. Because trusting in God is so very important. And there's more that we could say, but we'll, we'll just pause and we'll do some more next time. Amen.